Small Business Update Thursday. Oh. <laughs> you beat me. Anyway, welcome here. It's Small Business Update Thursday. I'm Jonathan Freak. I'm with Adam Bach. I apparently don't have lighting today, so I'm going to look all red. Adam's a liar. He's not in his office. He's at home. <laughs> that's what's going on. I think it's probably the smoke from California that's just turning everything uh, a little bit red. There's like a coating and it's even affecting my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me a little bit of the Martian. <sighs> okay. Well, here we are, even with my red, my redness. Um, here, here's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. We got really important stuff. We have a discussion about what is going on um, between the CDC and President Trump. Apparently, we have different testimony than President Trump wants it to be. Um, we have some discussion about what's going to happen with the coronavirus bill. Then we're going to take a little trip around the world just because I really enjoy doing that. And our legal content of the day, we're going to talk a little bit more about mandating vaccines because that's kind of a hot topic these days. Um, and then we could talk just a little bit about my email for Monday. If you don't get the emails, drop us a line and I'll be happy to get you on there. And we'll talk a little bit about the paid leave and how that kind of works um, in the small updates to it and what we kind of expect. So that's kind of our plan. But of course, we start where we always start with sports. Arizona, we've got a winner. The Arizona Cardinals, 1-0 Arizona Cardinals. Um, Unbelievable. Not only did they win, it was against the 49ers. Against the 49ers who lost the Super Bowl last year. Um, we're winning the Super Bowl most of the game, lost the Super Bowl, and it was in San Francisco, which probably doesn't matter. I mean, I guess it matters because you have to travel, but there's no fans, so. You know, last year I went to the San Francisco game, one of the San Francisco games where they just lost, like, right. I mean, it was so close, and I was just surrounded by all these 49er fans. Yeah. And I just had this. They were, uh, you know, not charitable when uh, we lost. And so all I could think of as we won that game is all those disappointed 49er fans out there. I like the fact that you couldn't get revenge because <laughs> I am sure, I am sure you wouldn't have shut up if, you were, if you were back there. I was wishing I was in the stands and I could just give them a little bit of their medicine back to them. Did, but, you see, did you see Josh Rosen, who was the quarterback for the Cardinals, um, in the stands? He is on the practice squad for Tampa. Did you see him or no? No, I didn't. Totally alone. Saddest looking thing in the world. <laughs> Best caption I saw was the time the coach made the JV players sit around and watch. <laughs> but just all oh, up, right, because okay. of social distancing, it's really the saddest thing I've ever seen. Which brings us to our next sports story. By the way, San Francisco 49ers, only zero and one team in our division. Everybody else is one and up. So uh, on we go. Playing the Washington football team on Sunday. And that does not get less funny as we go throughout the year. <laughs> the football team. The football team. The Washington football team. I just think they should keep it. Yeah. It's unique. You know, you have this amorphous mascot. Who knows? Yeah, no, just you don't need a mascot when you have a football team, especially when you have the football team. Um, so anyway, so Cardinals moving on, and uh, on to my next story, which is of course Tom Brady 
lost in his debut with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his coach, who's Bruce Arians, who was the coach here, who's long known for having a really good relationship with his quarterbacks, called out Tom Brady in, in the postgame conference, said it just wasn't his best game. And um, Brett Favre kind of stepped up, a former, you know, all-time great quarterback, and said that, that Arians was out of line calling him out publicly. Um, I don't know. I've seen you do some crappy lawyering, Adam. <laughs> it's, just weird. Out. it's just weird. Like, we don't have an opportunity to call each other out publicly. <laughs> you know, except on the podcast. <laughs> well, now we do. Now we got something. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's my question for you. Do, you. do you think it's okay for Bruce Arians to call out Tom Brady? I think it's a little early on in their relationship. I yeah. think he probably <laughs> like should. Ours. Little, yeah, it's a little. Let's wait a few more years before you can really attack. No, it's um, you know, it's one of those things. If you've got some credibility and you got some history, that he might be able to pull it off. It's just that Bruce Arians, he's always been like that. He just yeah. says it like it is. He's not very diplomatic. He's he just flat out tells you what he's thinking, which a lot of people like, but. You know, maybe Tom Brady didn't like it. President Trump's got that. <laughs> <laughs> so today, today he announced that Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, was confused in his uh, congressional testimony. Uh, Dr. Redfield said that masks may actually be more effective uh, protecting people than the potential vaccine because the potential vaccine in the words of Dr. Robert Redfield might be a 70% effective vaccine. We think by the way, and we talked about this last week, it might be as low as 40% um, and it still might be, be approved. So he said, Hey, you know, if we wear masks, give ourselves some, give ourselves some time with masks. We might be able to wipe this out. Um, he also announced that it will be late second quarter or third quarter of 2021 before the vaccine is generally available. That also did not go over very well with, with President Trump, who called out his director of the CDC. Later, the CDC issued the following statement. I feel like this might be a little more political based on the tone of my voice than it needs to be. In today's hearing, Dr. Redfield was answering a question he thought was in regard to the time period in which all Americans would have completed their COVID vaccination, and his estimate was the second or third quarter of 2021. He was not referring to the time period when COVID-19 vaccine doses would be made available to all Americans, the spokesman said. That is what he said. Redfield said, if you're asking me when it's gonna be generally available, when we can begin to take advantage of the vaccine to get back to regular life, I think we're looking at late second quarter, third quarter of 2021. So turns out the CDC is under fire from President Trump. Maybe if they had more of a relationship. But Maybe Bruce Arians it. needs a, a spokesperson. I, I, would, I, I would say if there's one thing that we could say about Bruce Arians and President Donald Trump, it's that they both want to win this year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's been a really, really kind of tough election cycle. You know, one of our questions on our poll, and I hate to give away the end of this little, you know, thing. One of our questions was whether or not you would vote for re-election of President Trump. It was yes, no, 
or heck yes or heck no. Nobody answered yes or no. All the responses were heck yes or heck no. So <laughs> I guess I guess we'll you know we'll see. Uh, six weeks till that. Apparently, nine months till we have a vaccine, according to Dr. Robert Redfield of the CDC. So let's talk about vaccines. So you were um, discussing last week about government. Man mandated vaccines, whether it would be constitutional or not. We kind of talked a little bit about California. I'm turning it over to you because we're doing law. So it's time for vaccination law. Part two. Part two. All right, so last week, John asked an interesting question. I hadn't run across any uh, cases, but um, the question was whether in California anybody has challenged the religion exemption or religious exemption because they don't have one. Um, so in 2015, they eliminated the personal beliefs exemption from their law. And this is for school kids to get uh, vaccinated. Um, everybody has to do it unless there's a health reason you get a doctor to say they can't do it. So we have a case, um, Brown v. Smith. And you had parents that brought the action to seek to invalidate the mandatory immunization requirements for school children. So in their cause of action, in their complaint, they've had a few, uh, four causes of action. It says it violates the California constitution, uh, the uh, free exercise of religion, the right to attend school, equal protection and due process. So the plaintiffs were parents with sincerely held philosophic, conscientious, and religious objections to state mandated immunization. And you know, they're very passionate about uh, this. I just have a little excerpt from the complaint. Um, they put in there, dis they uh, dispute the central hypothesis that drives vaccine theory, which has never been proven and plaintiffs are eager to disprove it in their lawsuit apparently. Uh, the vaccines kill and maim children and that Senate bill number 277 is a totalitarian mandate that expects parents to merrily sacrifice their children for the greater good. So they're very passionate about this particular uh, issue. The, uh, the court dismissed the claim and in, in they appealed and on appeal, the court of appeals relied on Phillips v. City of New York, which is a 2015 case um, the mandatory vaccination as a condition for admission to school does not violate the free exercise clause. So there's precedent. They also talk about uh, the couple of cases we referred to last week from 1905, basically saying government can do whatever it wants if it's in the, the best interest and for the health and safety of its people. Um, it said, there, whoops, said the right to uh, practice religion freely does not include the liberty to expose the community or the child to communicable disease or the latter to ill health or death. And society has a compelling interest in fighting the spread of contagious diseases through mandatory vaccination of school-aged children. So it seems like this mandatory vaccination has been challenged on virtually every level and it's been upheld um, you know, on every angle. But no U.S. Supreme Court cases yet, and we'll no, see. not since 1905. Yeah, so it is 
probably the most controversial, uh, you know, uh, a show ever when you talk about this stuff, because it makes people who think vaccines are bad, um, don't want to be forced to get a vaccine for whatever medical or religious reason, it makes them nuts. And so I did get like a lot of response from our last show, but it does, we're, hey, we're just reporting the law here. Because um, look, as it stands now, the government has a lot of power. But of course, you know, this Supreme Court might find differently when push comes to shove. Yeah, you know, California was interesting. So now they only have one exception, and that is a doctor exception. But the problem is they've been getting so many doctor notes that now the legislature wants to be the ultimate arbiter of what's a valid excuse and what is not. So they want to oversee the doctors. So they're just saying, hey, we feel like there's too many medical exceptions that we're not comfortable with this and they want to rein that in. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's this constant battle. So anyway, what about businesses? Uh, can businesses, if, if you want to mandate that uh, all your employees get vaccinated, can you do it? Now, employers have significant legal flexibility. Uh, they don't have the constitutional restrictions that governments have. But a few businesses outside of healthcare have really come up with a mandatory vaccination policy. Uh, and largely because of anti-discrimination laws. Um, so a, an employer can mandate vaccination, but the employee then has a right to um, an, ex an exemption from the policy based on medical history or religious beliefs. So the medical history component comes from the ADA. Um, so if somebody says, you know, I've got a health issue that I, I can't get vaccinated um, and it would be dangerous for me, you have to treat that um, under the ADA, you know, and, and go through the process of trying to figure out reasonable accommodation uh, to that particular uh, issue. Um, and then, so the employer would then have to sit down and engage in good faith um, interaction with the employee to talk about some other things they could do if they weren't going to get vaccinated, like wearing a mask, for example. Then you also have uh, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act that uh, prohibits employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. So that makes it, if somebody has a religious a concern with it, then um, you know, that would violate their rights as well. So an employer would have to sit down with somebody who says, I have a religious problem with this. And they'd have to work through the same sorts of things, try to figure out a, a workaround. Um, but you know, the, what is a religious um, you know, exemption is pretty broad. Uh, so I don't think anybody's going to really challenge the employee if they say it's a religious exemption, but uh, they're going to be able to <laughs> prove otherwise. So ultimately, you know, why are employers reluctant to mandate? Well, the strength of the anti-vax movement, there's a huge opposition um, by a good portion of society uh, that are opposed to it. And then they fear that the employees would find mandatory vaccination policies an unacceptable intrusion on their personal lives. They might go somewhere else. You might alienate your employees and they leave. Um, and you could be faced with potential disability discrimination or religious discrimination. So the answer, yes, employers can mandate it. But when you think about it, 
if you mandate something that has so many exceptions, you know, either they get a doctor note or they, their religious um, exemption uh, would, would disqualify them. You really have people that are voluntarily doing it anyway. And the ones that don't want to do it will find a loophole. And so I, I think probably that's why voluntary participation is the way that most employers are doing it. So rather than mandating, they're encouraging. Uh, some businesses offer free on-site, you know, this is flu vaccinations at their location. Um, they encourage employees to seek flu vaccination in the community and they give them time off to go get vaccinated. So there's a lot of encouragement uh, rather than mandating it. And then there's, employers are starting to educate their employees some more about the benefits of vaccination. Uh, they can put newsletters, you know, emails, you know, educating the, the employees about where to get vaccinated. And they can give them a link and they can go find out where they can go get the vaccine. Apparently in New Jersey. Yeah, it could be in New Jersey, for example. <laughs> but it, it seems like there's not, I mean, I did read some where um, there was a, a Harvard article that was talking about they're really going to rely on employers to educate about the COVID-19 uh, vaccine to really try to encourage and, and promote it to their employees and give them confidence. So that's the question. Are employers confident enough in the vaccine that they're going to be big advocates for the COVID-19? Because if the employer's a little reluctant, employees might be a little reluctant. So they're trying to get people, the employers to step up and be confident and, and uh, encourage it. Got it. Well, well, that is your vaccine law. That would, so it seems like it might even be easier for employers to require it. And I suppose in some situations, like we saw in meatpacking and other places where people are really in close quarters. And I suppose maybe some have tetanus requirements, other requirements like that, but I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, to be continued and should be fun and keep those comments coming, America. <laughs> you know, um, last week we talked a lot about free money, about the stimulus bill. Here's where things stand, okay? Um, basically, President Trump told the Republicans who had passed a $500 billion plan to up the game a little bit. There has been some discussions. Um, the pressure really is on the Republicans, right? Because they need to keep the economy going in, in order to get to election day because they're losing. Um, and so that number keeps getting higher and higher to Nancy Pelosi's request for $2 trillion. Um, I would imagine if there is a breakthrough, it would be closer to $2 trillion than probably the Republicans would like. I think they will lose some Republican votes because of the amount of additional debt that we'll take on. But stay tuned. Free money may be coming soon still. Um, we talked a little bit in our email about the new requirements for the Family First Paid Leave, Corona Relief Act, FFCRA. Um, basically, if you are an employer, you do not need to get permission, or I'm sorry, you do not need to get a written excuse ahead of time, but you need to get it as soon as practical. That's one change. Second thing is you actually need to be open. You can't pay people if you're closed down, okay? Speaking of which, unemployment's back to where it was, okay?
Okay. This means people are getting $240 a week in Arizona rather than the enhanced payment. Apparently the hurricane relief that we got or whatever this money came from ran out. So um, Arizonans who are out of work are holding on for the stimulus package. Employers are seeing a lot more people come back into the workforce um, because it's financial necessity. Um, the bad part of all this is probably still yet to come, of course, because of infection rates, not necessarily in Arizona, but across the country, as people start wearing their masks a little bit less. Um, but that doesn't mean that there won't be something funny. Any guesses? If, if you already know, it's fine. You could just say, Adam, who is going to be Joe Biden in Saturday Night Live this fall? <laughs> I have not seen that. I don't know. Jim Carrey will be playing the Democratic nominee. <laughs> Tune into that. Should we go? Should we? Should we? Should we go on to the sad part now? Turns sure. out Bordeaux, where they make fantastic wine, they don't have enough room in the hospital, so we're back to where we were. They're starting to run out of ICU beds in Bordeaux. That is obviously going to be problematic um, throughout Europe as they enter the second wave ahead of us. Um, the second wave was described as less of a sprint than the first time, but more of a marathon where they don't expect things to go back down. Israel just announced a lockdown during the high holy days. Um, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's New Year's. Um, and uh, the Orthodox community is up in arms. They say no masks, let's all get together because religious people everywhere have a little bit of a different perspective, I think, on, on this than maybe the mainstream. But um, very difficult in Israel to go back to a lockdown now. I don't know. We couldn't go back to a lockdown, couldn't we? Could we? In your what, in the States? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know that that would work. Omar Farouk, 13 years old, lives in northern Nigeria. And when he was fighting with his friend... He said some version of Allah, damn it. I don't know what it was, but for blasphemy, he got 10 years in prison. Hmm. That's harsh. It's a little tough. Just watch your mouth. It'll tough. Um, but I do have some bit of good news from down here in Mexico. Do you, do you know that they uh, have a new Air Force One or, or ordered a new Air Force One that was delivered like five years ago? I heard that. Yeah. Oh, in Mexico? Yeah. So in Mexico. Oh, no. So they've got a Dreamliner. Um, president down here. I'm in, I'm in Mexico. President down here finds that to be disgusting has decided to lotto off the plane. <laughs> the plane lottery for the presidential plane of Mexico. Now, of course, this led to some follow-on questions and a big social media revolt. What do you think the problem was? Could you, could you guess it off the, off the top of your head? What their issue was auctioning off the plane was? Well, first of all, the plane was $218 million, okay? And Mexico feels like they can't get less than the purchase price of the plane, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so they want to sell for that amount. Now it's, of course, set up like Air Force One, right? It's got 80 passengers. It's got a suite with a bed and a shower and all these things. And uh, uh, President Lopez 
Obrador, better known as AMLO down here, President Lopez, says, I'm just going to take commercial. We're going to sell this off. It was kind of his big thing. It was a lot like, like President Trump saying you shouldn't golf, right? So uh, Lo Lo President Lopez flies commercial, takes this over, and, um, and then says, yeah, we're going to have this, this, this lottery, and we're going to raise this money. And so here, here's the problem that's now probably striking you. Um, how, am gonna, how am I going to take care of the plane? <laughs> <laughs> the, the cost to maintain it is a little too much. Because it's really, really expensive to maintain an airplane. Turns out that the amount is about a million seven to take care of the airplane. <laughs> so President Lopez Obrador says that we will maintain the, the, the plane for two years or one year. <laughs> Because, you know, it's already backing off. And uh, yeah. And so, so um, the new hashtag is si, si me gano el avion. Okay. Which, of course, as Adam knows, means if I win the plane, if I won the plane. Yeah. And, and so then it's people what they would do with the plane. Right. And so the president here decided that the tickets, which by the way, they've sold 6 million of <laughs> approximately for $25 each. Okay. <laughs> They're now going to give, give about a million dollars to a hundred winners. Wow. That's something. But turns out that's a very expensive ticket and they're having a slowdown um, and coronavirus is interfering and whatever, but they got a hundred million in the, in the, in the, in there um, in the pot so far. And it seems that uh, next week on Tuesday, when they draw this, there will be some winners, um, maybe, maybe me. Um, the, 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 uh, the national lottery winners in Mexico are read by, uh, by children. And so it's gonna be like a two hour show um, that will be, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's, that's my Mexico. <laughs> That's what we're up to down here. Uh, yesterday was Independence Day in Mexico, which means that I drank a lot of tequila, which is probably still in my system, which is the reason I had to tell that story. Um, all right, so we've kind of got that. The other little piece of news is that in the Latino community, President Trump is doing better than he did in 2016. It was really interesting. Hmm. Turns out to be a little bit of a reaction to people, especially those from countries like Cuba and Venezuela, um, who don't like socialist governments. They equate, um, you know, Vice President Biden's attempt to become president with with that, with an attempt to be more socialist. And uh, so, just kind of interesting that that is one struggle. So the Biden campaign has split its Latino operation to 11 to represent each different country. Mexican-Americans, for example, as a group have different political views than say those from Venezuela or Cuba that I talked about before. Um, so yeah, turns out a little bit different. Um, quick rundown of the survey. Um, do you think Congress will pass a new stimulus bill? Um, a little more than two thirds of the people said, no, it's an election year, not gonna happen. 40% um, though said, I'll apply for more PPP money if available. Um, more than 50% say they love football. So I get to keep talking about it. 
and people are still not back to movie theaters, which is interesting. You gonna read this Bob Woodward book, Rage? Oh, about Trump? Yeah. I, I suppose, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's good. Yeah, so, so 40% said, yeah, because I love books, and 40% said, no, I don't like books. And the remaining people said, I don't read books. Um, do you think Trump will win re-election? Please yes is 40% and please no is 60%. Um, will you watch presidential debates? You think you're going to watch this? The debates? Yeah. I think it would be interesting. Yeah. People said only 20% said, yeah, this is the best. However, we had 45% of people saying lock someone up. I don't, I don't know why I put that as an answer, but you get what you ask for. Um, when you get the COVID vaccine, uh, we've actually cracked 50% on people who'd want to get it. And we have about 70% of people who either have or plan on getting the flu vaccine this year. So that's, that's, your, uh, that's your update. Anything um, else from you? I just think it would be interesting. What could um, convince people to get the flu, I mean, get the COVID-19 vaccine, what level of assurance, you know, are there are people, is there something the government could do uh, to persuade people or is it just philosophically, there's kind of no way to bridge that. That would be interesting to see if you can persuade people. I think that it's a little bit like masks that, uh, that if Governor Ducey and Joe Biden say the same thing, people feel a little more confident. Um, and right now there's not a lot of confidence in what is going on and there'll probably be a little less confidence in the vaccine that is released eight days before the election. <laughs> so with all that being said, thanks for joining us. Let us know if you would like to be on our email list, jfruitkin at radixlaw.com or buck at radixlaw.com. Otherwise, we'll be here every week. Send us your questions. We're happy to answer them. And we'll see you soon.